0: Check. Hey, there I am. What's going on, Tabernacle? How's everybody doing tonight? Three people doing great after that worship. Hallelujah. Well, I'm glad it made such an impact on your life. I said, how's everybody doing tonight? How y'all came hungry tonight? Amen, amen, amen. Um, first off, I just, uh, I don't know if pastor's watching tonight, uh, but I do consider it an honor Uh, This pulpit has shaped my life And uh, I I don't take it with a grain of salt Uh, There's a responsibility when you're up here And I just want to thank Pastor Brian for entrusting me to get you all fed And um, that's what we're going to do tonight Um, If if you don't really know what Driven does If you thought for a second that I babysit You were wrong (laughs) Uh, We know how to worship And we know how to pursue Jesus with everything in us and we do this week in and week out. And I'm telling you what, I see this all the time when I see them. But how do you know we got some elders in the church that are in Driven? Age ain't got nothing to do with it. But I'm telling you, I got some students that are so spiritually mature, when I need prayer, I call and text them up. I don't want nobody with some weak faith praying over me. I want somebody that goes into warfare with me and knows that I know exactly where they are and they can go in combat with me and get my back with something. So I want to tell you something. I got some spiritual leaders that have been driven. We do not babysit, but I'll tell you, we get fed and we worship and we pursue Jesus, everything within us. This generation is marked by their pursuit. I mean, y'all know that. Amen? So I'm so glad that I get the opportunity to uh, to speak to you guys. And uh, I'm just going to lay it on the line. Um... I've been wearing this thing out, uh, talking about walking in glory. And how many of you know that God's design is for you to walk in glory? It's not for you just to be saved and come here and get your tush real comfortable on Wednesdays and Sundays. But I'm telling you something. You are supposed to be walking in authority and glory and changing atmospheres. Come on. I will say this. If you amen me, I like it. That's good. But I don't need it. I know who I am. I'm confident in the word I got to bring you tonight. So listen, when you say amen, it's not that you're cheer, cheer, rah, rah, rah me on tonight. But when you say amen to a revelation you're getting, that means you're grabbing something out of the atmosphere that you've heard from heaven. And you're agreeing with it because you need it. So don't feel like you got to cheer me on because I'm going to say it anyways tonight. Hallelujah. Amen. Y'all ready to go with this thing? Hallelujah. Let's eat. Let's eat a little bit. Uh, but I want to thank Pastor Brian, man. Uh, that guy has shaped my life. And i tell him since I've come on staff here at Tabernacle, I feel every week that I'm at this conference that is just paid for and I'm getting this awesome word. Uh, is it just me? And I'm not, I'm not earning brownie points, honestly. I've told him face to face, like, dude, I feel every week I come in here, I get something crazy. I mean, we have one of the most influential and powerful speakers, if not in the state, maybe this region, one of the biggest voices, one of the most powerful and anointed voices, this guy hears from God, and I'm telling you, he is so influential. Maybe in the nation, that's how much I admire and I look up to him as a spiritual father. So, Pastor Brian, it does not go over overlooked tonight of the weight of this tonight. I appreciate it. So, thank you for entrusting me. And uh, so, if you got your Bibles out tonight, doesn't matter, uh, students. If if you are on your cell phone, on your iPad, that's cool. Refrain from social sites and let's just go to you, verse, and get this done. Hallelujah. Same for you adults. Facebook can wait. All right. Unless I say something really good and then you can tweet it. Um, <clears throat> the text tonight, the basic one is Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. And this will be kind of our main text. I'm going to hop around a little bit and you can hop around with me if you want. I go kind of fast. Um, it says, And I tell you. You are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Amen. Now, Lord, bless the reading of the word. Father, I just pray, God, that right now that my flesh is completely and utterly destroyed and crucified. That, Father, let my don't let my flesh, God, distort or confuse or taint, God, the message or the word you have for your people tonight. Let me completely and utterly get out of the way and let Jesus speak tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. Now, Mark 12 explains this, that the earth has been leased to man. Now, how many of y'all know what a lease is? If you know what a lease is, it means that I technically do not own it, right? But I've given authority. I've been given authority to control what happens on that property, right? So I'm contractually obligated to manage what happens while the owner's away, Correct. Now been It says I've been given dominion over the earth, and if I pray on heaven as it is in earth, then guess what? Then glory has to be present behind what I speak. You get that, right? Everybody say, "Uh huh." The Bible says that Adam crowned, or that God crowned Adam, in glory. When we see glory, and glory is one of these things that is really misunderstood, and we hear it all the time in the Bible, but we want to get a glimpse of kind of what it means. But the Bible says that God crowned Adam in glory, and Adam was put in charge of the garden. So whatever Adam spoke to, it was, it obeyed, and it happened, right? When God speaks to a thing, it would happen without delay. I can go, there's another sermon for this, but I can tell you how fast Satan left heaven. Before he even heard the sound, gone, he was there. So when God speaks, it happens, correct? But when Adam, when man, when his sin entered the earth, right, a curse was built into the sin. Now, God never said that man was cursed, but there was a curse built into the sin. The earth was cursed, and so now this is where we find ourselves. The earth, the cosmos, everything is out of alignment. Everything is in chaos. Everything is now jacked up. There's no order to it. And the thing is what you got to understand when God crowned Adam in glory, Adam could look at vegetation and speak to it and it would grow. Come on! He named animals. He looked at an animal, a mammal, and said, "Boom! You're a tiger. Boom! You're this. Boom! You're that." He had authority. He had to be. He had a lease on the earth. And the reason why it happened because God crowned him in in authority and in what glory? Right. So. He could talk to earth. He could talk to the wind. He could talk to the rain. He could talk to the sunshine and say, that's just a little bit too much. It's a little bit hot. We're going to cool it down a little bit. Let me get this thermostat. Hallelujah. He's going to cool it down a little bit. He could speak to something, and it happened. That was Adam's power was there was glory behind what he spoke. Right? Y'all with me so far? Now, here's what happened when sin entered in. Adam's captivity was this, that there was no power behind his words now. There was nothing behind what he spoke, and now what should be working in favor for him is now working against him. The Bible goes on to say, Down, listen, since sins into the earth, Adam, now you're gonna have to work the earth now. There's thorns and thistles, and now you're gonna work all the days on the sweat of your brow. So something that should be working in your favor, hello, is now working against you. So now he can't control anything. And the earth says that, or the Bible says that the earth is now in chaos. It doesn't want to be subjected to it. It never asked to be jacked up. But here we are. It never asked to be out of order, but here we are. And the Bible says that we make Jesus' salvation perfect when he raises many sons unto glory. So understand something. We're going to talk about this a little bit, but Jesus just did not die to get you to heaven. Jesus did not die just to get you saved and enjoy this thing called church and you can enjoy events and life groups And it's all about you, but jesus died to get you into heaven. He restored you But guess what he restored glory unto his people And you're supposed to be walking in dominion and authority of that and you have leads over the earth And when you have glory behind what you speak you can change the dynamic in your situation in your circumstance and everything changes why because there's there's glory behind what you talk about now. Come on, somebody! I'm preaching this thing. Y'all ain't acting like it. It's all good. It's all good. Hebrews chapter two, verse nine. I'm gonna read it real quick. You don't have to go there, but it says, "But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he be or he by the grace of God should taste death for every man." Somebody say, "Amen." For it became him for whom all things, by whom are all things, and bringing many sons unto glory. Ladies, don't get mixed up when it says sons. It's just a position thing, all right? So, sons to glory. To make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. I love how the Bible uses a militant a militant label. It says, Jesus, captain. Don't your neighbor say, Captain. Now, the Bible also says that the earth awaits not on Jesus to be real, but what? The sons of God. That's you. That's his kids. And to restore order by their word. It's waiting on you to figure out that there's more to this salvation thing. It's waiting on you to realize your identity and your purpose. It's waiting on you to realize, church, hello, that it's more than just Sundays and Wednesdays. Yeah. Yeah. To go out into all the nations and make what? Not converts, but disciples. Not to just feel pused, to feel good about yourself. Look how hip we are. Look how many people we got to come to church. Listen, if we're more worried about feeling pused than feeling people, there's a problem. That ain't nothing scriptural. You got to feel people. There's a conflict here, and we want to discuss it, all right? So we're supposed to walk in glory. Now, Understand, when I'm talking about walking in authority and walking in glory and we're supposed to speak to things and they're supposed to move because there's glory behind what heaven says. Heaven backs up what you say when you walk in Jesus, when you walk in glory, right? Now, listen, I believe, man, I got some bombs I'm going to lay on you guys tonight. I'm like, ugh, this is like shut up in my bones tonight. I'm just trying to convey it and control my, can you all hear my breathing getting heavy? I'm fired up and this is every Wednesday, This is every Wednesday. I believe God wants his church to be powerful. I get that. But I also think he wants us to have total authority, and I understand he wants us to have influence. Somebody say influence. Now, here's the dilemma. Instead of gaining and conquering ground, here's what's happened. You may disagree, but I'm going to paint a reality picture for you. Instead of gaining ground, we're losing it. You can disagree with me to your blue in the face. Watch the news. Where's the church? Cricket. 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 We're losing ground. In this whole time, Jesus died to get you into heaven to experience eternity. But guess what? He got he died to restore glory and authority on the earth. You get that. So this is the dilemma. Now. The thing, it's not about being seeker-sensitive. It's not even about staying relative and being this vineyard church. There's nothing about that. But it has everything to do with Christ being a head and us being a body. You get that, right? What this is all about is me being under an authority. Me being under such an authority that when Christ is the head, I'm the body and it obeys, right? When he says go, I go. When he says come, I come. When he says start, I start. When he says stop, I stop. When he speaks a word, guess what? It ain't my mouth moving anymore because I don't own the rights to it any longer. It's not my tongue anymore that's speaking. Hey, I'm an ambassador upon heaven, and I've been told to conquer a land and speak on a king's behalf. I don't need a king to leave his throne. When's the last time you've seen a king leave his throne when he came to earth to die for your sins? Guess what? When he comes back, he's going to come back to conquer. But guess what? When a king rules, when he has diplomatic services, he don't don't leave the kingdom. He don't leave the castle. He sends an ambassador. Somebody say, hey, he sent an ambassador, and that's you tonight. And we're walking around defeated, acting like we don't know we don't have a purpose. We don't have an identity. this whole time he's saying, you're an ambassador. Watch mountains move. Watch addictions fall. Watch strongholds break off somebody's life. Look at demons flee just at the very mention of my name when you speak Jesus. Somebody say, hey. Hey. Hallelujah. God wants us to have authority and influence in the earth. But I'm telling you, if we're not walking this glory thing, if we're not underneath a head, if we're not submitted to Jesus totally and consecrated, it's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. I don't own my tongue anymore. I don't own my head anymore. Can I tell you something? A body that does not receive stimulus or stimuli does not receive information from the head of the spinal cord is paralyzed. Easy stuff. And my fear is, is when I look at a body, we're paralyzed because we want to be the head. This whole time, heaven is trying to connect to earth through you, the head. want you to reach out, be the hands and the feet, be the healing, be the word, be the word of life, be a blessing. And this whole time, there's a disconnect, and we're paralyzed. We're paralyzed. Matthew 16, 18, here we go. It says, And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and gates the hill shall not prevail against it. In other versions... We're talking about influence now and authority. In other versions, the word says he will build my ecclesia. If you don't know what an ecclesia is, let me let me explain it to you. You got to understand at the time when Jesus is given this back in the day, the Roman Empire was the stuff. It dominated. This is where Jesus had to do ministry under. It, it was it was the uh, the known authority in, in the land, right? So, Ecclesia, everybody say Ecclesia. Rome was different from other empires and other nations, so you gotta understand this. So, back in that time, when a nation would go to war and they would come to your city, what they would typically do was they would defeat you in battle, they would burn your city down, they would take captive women, children, families, basically the population. Take you out of where you reside and bring you into their city. Rome was different. What Rome would do was they would dominate and conquer a nation, and then what they would do was they let everything stay the same. But what would happen next was this there would be people from headship that would be appointed in authority. Come on, somebody be appointed in authority, and they would set up camp. And before too long, before a nation even realized it was conquered, they have set up a government. And months in months and planning, they've started in sealing the pillars of this Ecclesia. Their Ecclesia. The Roman culture was so heavy in, in influence and money and architecture and the arts and whatever. Th- that was the pillars of their foundation, of their of their culture, So when I hear Jesus saying, upon this church I will, or upon this rock I will build my church, or my what? My ecclesia. You can't argue with me and tell me that Jesus does not want you to have influence church in mainstream media. Get over yourself. We're supposed to be influencing culture in all aspects. In all aspects, he's saying, I want to build my ecclesia upon this truth. Because, Peter, you realize that you've got a revelation of who I am. And because you've done that, I'm going to build it upon jacked up people like you. And got it together, but they got a revelation of how big Jesus is and what he wants to do. That sounds like a vessel to me. Y'all with me so far, right? They would bring the kingdom to where you were, right? And they installed the pillars of the kingdom. So here's the deal. It troubles me. It troubles me when a body's not responding to the head. We're supposed to be gaining ground on this thing. Right? We're cool with having church events, but we're never having encounters. You may think this Ascension thing going down this weekend is all about me and looking cool and making this youth group look marketable. I want to be marketable to hurting people. But if all it is that we have a sanctuary full of church kids that already know Jesus, that love him, that's a good thing. But here's the deal. If we don't fill these pews with homeless people, we don't fill these pews with the warlocks and the witches. If we don't fill these pews with homosexuals, we don't fill these pews with people that are dying and going to hell that have moral decay in their life. We have missed the mark. This is a hospital, not a country club. So it troubles me because I see no urgency in the church. We act like we got all day. I don't know how many times since I was a kid I heard Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. So much that I was scared to death. When there was a lightning storm, I would go in my parents' room and make sure they're in the bed. God forbid they got up to get something to eat or went to the bathroom. It freaked me out, y'all. I still do it with Tiffany because she's better than me. Are you there? Okay. Didn't miss it. It's true. But there's no urgency. It troubles me. Second Peter says this. Now, this is a bomb. I was telling Amy this, man. I'm excited. This is good. All right, y'all ready say, uh-huh. All right, right, Second Peter chapter 3, verse 8, it says, But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. Y'all ready? All right, here we go. So, one day with the Lord is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day with the Lord. Okay, so you're now living in 2015 A.D., you can amen that. That is truth. Scientists, scholars, professors, researchers, they will tell you the same thing. What year is it? Well, you're living in 2015 A.D. Despite they have, have nothing to do with Jesus, they may be atheists, they want nothing to do with him. <laughs> they are marking their workmanship with the existence of Jesus, Man, And before that it was called BC. Before they're referencing Jesus, despite they, despite they think he does not exist, but they're referencing Jesus and everything they're wrapped up in. So we are living in 2015 AD, and before that it was BC, right? So somebody say Jesus at the center. They don't even know what they're doing. Jesus, at the very center of it. Oh, hallelujah. So we're living in 2015 years AD, and here's the deal. The church acts like there's no urgency because we've heard this message preached all of our lives, and we've become so desensitized to the Holy Spirit and the Word from heaven that we don't recognize it when Jesus walks in the room. The biggest way to get Jesus to leave a room is to act like it's not a big deal when he shows up. And I see it so often in churches it's the truth it's no big deal when Jesus shows up because well I got to sing this song well I got to preach well I got to do this because well we're not that far on the agenda let me tell you when Jesus shows up it shakes foundations so get over yourself everything changes He knows what I'm talking about doing the orange say hallelujah all right say it I'm playing all right. <clears throat> 2015 A.D., there's no urgency. We become desensitized. Here's the bombshell. According to God's math. You want not hear me. According to God's math. I don't know who knew you but according to God's math. A day is a thousand years. And a thousand years to one day with the Lord. So if my math is right, and I'm bad at math, my wife knows. Jesus has been gone two days. Right. Come on. Jesus has been gone two days. <laughs> two days. We act like we got all the time in the world. I can't tell you when he's coming back. I don't know. I appreciate people who are gifted in end time revelation. They can tell you what you know—all these signs and wonders that people are gifted. I'm not doubting that. I'm not hating on that. Understand that. They have big billboards behind, them and I get cross-eyed. I'm like, ah, oh, and I get kind of freaked out. I don't know. It's going to happen. He's been gone two days, and we're walking around like we're comatose, with our own agenda, because we've heard it for a thousand years in our lifetime. Listen, y'all ain't got to shout me down. I'm going to say it anyways. We're a generation that's getting to live in the closing of the second day. Living in the closing of the second day in the beginning of the third day. Go study your Bible. Instead of your God when he works in threes. I told you it was a bomb. This is a generation that is closing out the second day, but this generation is going to be the one that lives in resurrect, Lives in resurrection. So, when Jesus said, That is with you shall be in you, guess what? The only way that could be in you was that he had to die first because he had an agenda. He had, a, he had to prove a point. He had a job to do because, let me tell you something, there was a dilemma. The only way the Holy Spirit could come because he had to take every sin problem first. Jesus was the only one walking the earth, performing miracles, doing healings, doing all these things. He was the only person filled with the Holy Ghost. He said, that is with you. It's with you because I'm him. But guess what? I got a job to do. I got to go bleed your salvation for a second. I got to go bleed your healing. I got to speak your identity even though I'm speaking all these parables. You may not recognize it. I'm giving you revelation. I'm walking in glory. Hold on a second. Listen to me. Hey, hey, I'm giving you revelation. I got to take care of this sin problem first because, listen, there is sin on your skin. There's sin in your flesh, and I got to take care of this. There was a dilemma. Why? Because God's spirit is holy. God's original intent when he crowned Adam with glory, the Bible says that God actually walked in the cool of the day in the spirit with Adam. Walked in spirit. Arm in arm. Walked in spirit in the cool of the day. When sin entered, it had to go. God had to vacate the premises. Why? Because God's spirit is holy. So there's the dilemma, the answer, Jesus, the cross, right? Third day resurrection, and now we're supposed to be living in days of miracles, signs, wonders, because glory has been restored unto us. And we're supposed to be walking out this authority thing, Jamie, like it ain't no big deal. And the thing is this, the dilemma is that some generations, and I'm not saying it's it's anybody, I'm not causing strife. Listen, this is a church thing. This is a body thing. It just ain't here. The dilemma is this, that we got a second day generation that don't see the third day coming. And the dilemma is this, that if done properly, this generation's like John the Baptist proclaiming and declaring the way of the Lord is upon you. And if done correctly, it'll look foolish. Culture ain't going to understand it. They're going to make fun of you. They're going to hate hashtag crazy person on Twitter. Go to Tabernacle Praise. Get over it. Hey, y'all ain't getting... It doesn't matter. If it's done properly, you're going to look crazy. Well, I'm going to tell you something. Revival will come. Revival is here. <laughs> Many are called, but few are what? Few respond, few are chosen. Revival shakes things up, man. William Seymour, one of the greatest revivals of our lifetime, one of the greatest revivals in history, it says this, that they got in in, in this meeting place and people were maybe blocks away and it was just completely just they had to start praying. They never prayed in their life, but they said, I don't know what's ahead of me, but I've got to got strength to go on. I don't know what's drawing me. And the thing is, William Seymour, they had a prayer meeting, and they got in this room, and they got in this house, and the thing that happened was this. They started emptying themselves of flesh. They started emptying themselves of themselves. They started casting down egos and agendas and saying, I'm not the head. This ain't my tongue anymore because guess what? I'm under authority. I got to submit here because there's something greater in my life that is demanding ministry on my life. Some of y'all ain't felt way to ministry yet. Let me tell you something. You cannot kick back and sit back and just expect everybody else to do it. Because it ain't a move of God if it just hits me. It ain't a move of God if I get a revelation and it don't rub off on you. It ain't a move of God. It ain't revival if it does not rub off on you and you don't get revelation and there's unity in the spirit. And we begin praying the same thing. We begin having the same desires. We begin to worship the same. We begin to pursue the same. Because sleep don't matter no more. Hunger don't matter no more. Because there's something drawing us. There's revival trying to get in the earth. And if I'm the only one that gets it, it ain't revival. We need to gut check ourselves. I'm preaching to me. We don't meet Jesus daily in prayer and a prayer life. That's a reunion. If it's not continuous, if it's not a relationship, it's a reunion. We're getting ready to live in the third day, and we're supposed to be a John the Baptist generation declaring what's coming. And we look foolish because others don't see it yet, but we have to stand at the end of something and clearly declare what we are seeing in the Spirit. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, Stand. And so the struggle is this it's just not the world not gonna get this. It's just not the confusion of the world, but we got a church that is so asleep. They're not getting this revelation. And the thing is, we've heard it a million times. But Jesus is coming, right? I'll level with you. I believe traditionally all the preachings, I believe Jesus is coming. You've heard me say that. I believe he's going to split that Easter sky. I believe he's going to come down. He's going to establish a new throne, a new heaven, a new earth. I get that. I'm going to agree with you. But what I do not agree with with you sometimes is what we're supposed to do in the meantime. I will not sit in a corner and sing with you about how much gold heaven's got because I don't want the devil getting the church, so we're supposed to have a defensive posture. And here's the deal. Close the blinds, shut all the windows off, turn the lights off, and let's hope the devil don't get in, and let's sing about all these songs about leaving this earth because I'm miserable in this life. It's a posture thing. You can call me crazy, you can call me young, you can call me emotional, you can say that I'm not just as saved as you, you can say I'm overzealous, I don't really care because when I read his word, it says that the gates of hell shall not prevail what I'm trying to do and establish in establishing the earth. I'm going to tell you something, it's a conflict of posture. It's a conflict of, of a viewpoint, of a vantage point. I understand something, listen, gates were traditionally built not to keep their occupants captivated. Not to keep them gated in. Gates were built because when an overwhelming force would come and try to dominate, hopefully it would stand. You understand something? This is a posture thing of the church in these last days. And we've been taking a defensive mindset and defeated mindset a defeated mindset. So when I say the gates of hell shall not prevail, Jesus was saying this. It's not defensive. We should be on the offense because I'm establishing my ecclesia in the earth. You're supposed to have influence and power and authority and walking in glory and speaking when I tell you to speak and go when I tell you to go and walk where I tell you to walk and shut up when I tell you to shut up and sit down when I tell you to sit down. Now you got to get back up. you got to go over here. Listen, we got to be under complete consecration of Jesus to where nothing else matters. The opinions of man. Call every man a liar, but let this word prove truth. Let every man be a liar, but let the word of God shine through truth. The gates of hell shall not prevail. It's a posture thing. You're supposed to be on the offensive We're supposed to be this dominating, overwhelming force that overtakes the gates of hell, and it has to keep backing up. It keeps setting up shop. No, you ain't going to this crack house no more. Guess what? Because the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. No, you ain't going over here. You ain't taking my family no more. I'm praying for it. I plead the blood of Jesus. The gates of hell shall not prevail. I refuse to back down and just sit stone cold and just be frozen and not chosen. I want to tell you something. I got a revelation of what my posture is. offensive offensive somebody say offensive i'm gonna tell you something man. if we would ever see ourselves the way satan views you we would pray and praise our way out of adversity and stop licking our wounds and going back to daddy saying heal me heal me i believe he's a healer but guess what there comes a time when you get off baby food there's a time when God is wanting to put a flesh steak in the spirit and his word and say, I need you to eat this up. And we're just wanting baby food all the time. It's a posture thing, y'all. It's a posture. So he has restored glory. Everybody get that, right? Jesus didn't die to bring you out of sin, but he died to bring you into something awesome. He died to bring you in, not just out of sin, but he died to bring you into his glory and into his marvelous light. So just not to give us salvation and get us to heaven, but restore glory to Adam he was crowned with. So salvation, when I read that, is a doorway. It's a doorway. Somebody say doorway. It's a doorway to operating in glory. Now, Jamie, we'll pretend this is your house, and I love what you've done with the place it's a doorway. Jesus openly said in his teachings that I am what? I am the I am the door. So Jesus dies on the cross, restores glory unto man, gives us salvation. We're going to heaven. Everybody say yay. Jesus is the door. And this is where we stop. We're so content with our salvation and a hope we're going to heaven. So let's sing about how much gold heaven has and let's not do nothing. Let's crawl down and hope Jesus takes care of it until until he returns. It don't happen that way. When you approach the door, God's master plan was this Jesus was saying, I'm a door, I'm an opening. I'm the end, but guess what? I'm the I'm the beginning. I'm the start of something new. So guess what? You just can't preach Jesus and salvation anymore, but you got to say this. When I walk through the bloodstains of Jesus, when I walk through what he is and his salvation, when I walk through, now I have access to everything in the house because I just stopped short of the door for a second. I didn't know it was on the inside. But we got churches stopping and admiring the door and saying, Well, isn't this nice? And this whole time, Jesus saying, You have got to walk through me. You have got to walk through salvation because there's healing on the inside. There's revelation on the inside. There's there's captives being set free on the inside. There's favor on the inside that you have not that you haven't experienced yet. You've got to walk through me and what I've done just don't stop at the door but walk through what I have done hallelujah somebody say hey he's the beginning he's the door we're supposed to operate what Jesus walked in hallelujah I'm preaching this thing hallelujah I'm not going to agree with you that we should huddle and hunker down Your warfare, it is not your job to wake up every day and defeat the devil. Let me say it again. It's not your job to wake up and defeat Satan daily. Because Jesus has utterly, completely, without any doubt, destroyed him. Destroys it. If you would go to heaven right now. It's not like there's two or three angels saying, huh, I wonder how long this is going to last. It's just understood. Without question, the most undefeated champion in history sits on a throne, and he is interceding for you. So listen, to increase upon what Jesus did at the cross is blasphemy. To say that the blood of Jesus needs this plus is crazy. It's crazy for me to think, well, the blood of Jesus was great, but it's not your job to wake up and go fight Satan every day and say, well, I hope I knock him out. Jesus TKO'd that dude at the cross forevermore, and now we can have total victory. It ain't your job no more, but it is your job to occupy. When Jesus was teaching this parable, he said, go occupy until I come. My Bible does not say hunker down, pray all goes well until he comes back, hold down the fort. Wait till it gets really bad, have no influence in the earth, don't have life more abundantly. My Bible teaches me to occupy. Somebody say occupy. I'm shutting up here, I promise. God didn't give Joshua victory at Jericho. I'm going to mess with you for a minute. Victory was given to Moses in Exodus chapter 3. The result was what Josh got to experience. But victory was given to Moses at a prior date. Before Josh was even a... Hey, come on, somebody. It was given back, way back. The victory had been given prior to what he had been born. He told Moses, I've heard the cry of my people. I've seen their affliction. I've come down to deliver them into a land full of milk and honey. It's got your name on it. And I've ripped away the power of your oppressors. Instead of being a victim, you're going to start being a victor now. So I want you to start walking and think it's yours. You need to go claim it now. And here's the beautiful thing what God does. When he gives you victory, all your haters and your oppressors, guess what? He ain't going to give you the victory and he takes an empire, what he did with Moses. And one by one, he brings your haters out in your life. He says, he prepares me a table. He prepares me a table in the midst of my enemies where I can sit and dine and I can enjoy this victory. And I'm going to tell you something. Your oppressors are going on and embarrass you these last days because you're wanting to walk and speak in glory. But God says, hold on. Before I let you experience my victory, let's bring everybody out that says it couldn't be done. Let's bring everybody out that says you couldn't be free of that drug addiction. Let's bring everybody out and let's see what the Lord has done because you've tasted and seen that I am good and it has changed your life forever. It had to be a God thing because if you did it on yourself, you've been back in the streets. But guess what? Here you are now, baby. Three years clean from a heroin addict. I don't care who you are. You've been set free. It's been given. It's been given prior. Go claim it. Occupy it. Somebody say occupy. Israel finally occupied what God promised them, right? Right? You don't have to beg for forgiveness, but guess what? You've got to occupy the promise that there's no more condemnation in Jesus Christ. He's given you life more abundantly. Somebody say yes. His grace is going re- to abound so much more than sin. You've got to occupy that. Some of you need to start occupying the stripes of Christ and quit saying, I feel terrible. Because you can talk yourself in or out of a situation very easily. Your words have life and death. So here's the deal. Some of you are stuck in a season. This is good. Some of you have been stuck in a season because your word, you're releasing of your life. You keep repeating the cycle and entrapping yourself with your own words. And let me tell you something. God uses seasons, but some of you are repeating the season by what you speak. You can tweet that. Occupy. Here's the deal. The struggle is not God giving you the promise. He's a heavenly father. I want my kids to be blessed. And it'd be crazy for me. I have two kids. I have Harper and Sawyer. It'd be crazy for me to say, Harper, I want you to be successful in everything you do. I want you to grow in beauty and in wisdom and knowledge. And I look at Sawyer and say, good luck. That's not a fatherly trait. But the Bible says that all good things... Hello, come from my heavenly father above. So this thing is for everybody. It don't care if you've been saved for 50 years or for five minutes. Guess what? You've walked into promise. So the struggle is not God giving you the promise. The problem is occupying it. That's good. The war in Iraq is over. The war in Iraq is done. So what's the conflict and the struggle? Occupying it, occupying land. You're supposed to occupy your environment. I get so sick of hearing prayer requests. Wow, well, brother, I wish the Lord would just give me a new job, and move me. Up. I'm working with a bunch of heathens down there. I, just, I tell you, it's really struggle for me. Uh, yeah, I know I'm just a sinner by grace. And that's another thing. You're not a sinner saved by grace because when you walk into grace and revelation, you get salvation. You're no longer what you used to be. But it says that you are now made a new creature and you shed the old life off. And now you take on the image of Jesus. So just don't say, I'm a, si- I'm a son and a daughter and I have royalty running through my veins. So listen, it's what you speak does make a difference. That's an identity crisis. But we have so many people say, God, deliver me from this. Let me tell you something. God will deliver, but a lot of times he wants to develop. He's into marinating, but we want to microwave everything. The society is, give me, give me now, 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 now. He wants to develop you and bring character out of your life. So don't come to me and tell me, well, uh, I really wish God would just change this situation for me because it's so bad. Well, my Bible says that greater is he that is he that is in you in the world. I want to tell you something. He said you're a city on a hill that shines so bright that you're the salt of the earth. And so when you walk into your workroom with employees in all hell and chaos, running everything in your job, you can walk in and say, guess what? I'm salt and I speak with glory behind what I say. And i in this place because I've been sitting here for a purpose don't come to me and say God God, deliver me from this hell and this chaos he says no because if you really believe me I put my words in your mouth prophet you put he's placed words in your mouth for you to speak he's given you the words and when you're in confused he says my word is a lamp upon your feet so if you don't even know where to go I got a light for you I'm making this easy as possible for all you got to do is what? Listen to the head and let the body obey. There's truth here, y'all. There's power behind what you speak. We didn't have a problem tonight with atmosphere. I don't know how many times when I come in on a Wednesday night, and for whatever reason, there's just like this funk in the room. And it irks me when I see Christians and I see people who are supposed to be followers and pursuers of Jesus are cool with it. I can speak. I walk into a room, I can speak into an atmosphere if I don't like the way it feels. If it feels heavy, I have words of life in my mouth, living water in my belly. So here's the thing. I don't have to have somebody come pray over me and stir up this gift. That helps sometimes. But guess what? You've already got life inside of you that needs to come out. And you got glory behind what you speak. So if I don't like the atmosphere of how it likes, and God says, listen, I need you to speak over this thing and change this right now because I'm wanting to do a thing in this room right now. I can walk in and be obedient from the head and speak his word. And how do I know it happens? Because my Bible tells me that when God, you understand when God gives a word to a people and he speaks through a prophet, that the word comes down from the throne room, enters in earth through man, comes through his mouth... I'm killing it. I know. Comes through his mouth. And the Bible says what? That it has to perform what God told it to. So this word that you decided to be obedient with can't return back to heaven where he resides with an excuse why it didn't perform what he said it told it to. The Bible says he watches over his, his word. He's just looking for somebody to speak it. And let me tell you something man. We're asking God to do things that we've never spoken. We're asking God to do things that we have never had the audacity, maybe the dream maybe not dreaming enough, maybe not being obedient, but we have never released the word. We have not given him capacity to move. And we're sitting here scratching our heads saying, woe is me, woe is me. He said, yeah, woe is you. I need you to be obedient and listen to me. Get in your prayer closet. Stop speaking what you think should happen and stop speak and start speaking my word instead. Your words have power, man, there's supposed to be glory behind it. It's not going to happen until we speak it. Some of you... Have been praying for family members for years. Jane, will not you come up and help me out, man? Is your, is your piano hooked up and everything? Let's stand to our feet tonight. Some of you have been praying for family members for years. Some of you have been struggling trying to occupy your healing. Whatever it is, it don't matter. I use this analogy with with, with Driven all the time. We've been learning about speaking his word. If you don't know what else to speak in prayer life, you can't utter it. Man, just begin to pray his word. Pray his word. And the thing is this. We have all the stuff we're trying to occupy. And the thing is, listen, it'd be gullible for me to stand on my front porch and call out a dog that I don't own. And expect it to come run up in my lap and say, here I am. That was weird. Fido! We'll see. But when I own it, when it's been given to me, when it's been purchased, (laughs) when it's been purchased, Jamie... When I call its name It's not here with me yet I have the symptoms of cancer But by his stripes I'm going to occupy Faith calls Faith calls So it may not be with me yet but the more I keep calling what I own, watch that dog come running. I don't see it yet, but I keep speaking it out in the atmosphere. I keep hearing its echoes through the mountains on my, off my porch. I keep speaking. I keep hearing its name. I keep hearing its name. I own it. I own it. It's been purchased. I keep speaking. All of a sudden, I start seeing a third day. All of a sudden, I see something running. It's getting closer. I hear the sound of rain is what he said. Go check again. Yeah, I know all the oxen. I know all the cattle dying. But listen, go. I'm telling you something. I hear the sound of rain. I hear the sound of salvation. I hear the sound of healing. I hear the sound of the captives being set free. I'm going to tell you something. You need to start speaking things that you've never spoken before. It may not be with you here yet, but guess what? The more you keep speaking in the atmosphere, the more you keep speaking, not what you think, not what you feel like, but what you know, because your feelings are like little children. You have to tell your listen, you can't talk like that anymore. You got to sit down. Get out of the front seat, get in the back seat. Listen, you got to sit down. You got to hush up right now because I'm talking. Your feelings are like little children, they got to be told what to do. But when you speak promises, And then one day, man, you see it. And then you receive it. You say, God, this whole time I was fighting you. I've been fighting you. And here it is. Here it is. I'm so sorry I was stubborn. And you never know what you got until you come out of the battle. When you face the next one. Tabernacle, begin to speak. Numbers may not be here yet. But begin to speak the lost Begin to speak out for the captives The drug dealers You realize this region Was just announced that we have the highest Heroin overdose in in America Moral decay You can't tell me we can go on doing business as usual Because Ecclesia Is trying to be established In the earth And upon this I build it Let's bow your heads tonight. Father, we love you in this place.